0: Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And
1: I'm Sandra Smith.
0: And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is.
2: One of the kind of valuable things that happened when we had a fight once I said to Jeff, oh my gosh, I just hate it when we fight. It's, it's just so exhausting. And he said, what do you mean fighting? We were just talking. And I felt like we'd been through World War III, you know? So it was instructive to me because I was like, oh, he thinks we're just talking. To me, I'm, I'm at this intensity that I don't usually get to.
1: Good morning, Chris.
0: Good morning, Sandra. How are you today? I'm
1: good. I had a good night's rest. I'm excited to be with you again in this series on relationships. Yep.
0: And today we're going to be hearing from a a couple who are one and types one and eight.
1: Yes, we are. Jeff and Tamara Spiracino. And let me introduce them. First of all, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah. So Jeff and Tamara have been married for 10 years and they met as next door neighbors in an Asheville neighborhood. Ooh. Jeff has a degree in hospitality management and has worked in restaurant management and sale of food, supplies, and equipment for more than 35 years, and he's also a great cook. He's a native of Asheville and is one of six siblings in a large Italian family, and Tamara has a master's degree in art administration and has worked at Asheville Community Theater as the managing director for the past 13-plus years. Tamara likes to read, engage yoga, dancing, and spend time with family and friends. And they have two children, a son, Stephen, and a daughter, Juliana. Jeff leads with Type 8. Tamara leads with Type 1. So
2: welcome.
0: So as we begin and have this conversation, I want to invite our listeners and all of us to uh, enter into this conversation uh, accessing all three of our brains, our three centers of intelligence. So invite you to take a moment to open your heart and then approach this material with a curious mind. And we invite the the little one and the little eight that's in each of us to listen in to this conversation. Let's take a deep breath.
1: To more fully understand the structure of type eight, It's good to know that eight is a body type, meaning the body is the first brain, the lead center of intelligence. So body types, like Jeff, are fairness-oriented. Eight's focus of attention is on what needs my directing, what's out of control. And so the motivation is to appear strong and powerful and avoid looking powerless and feeling vulnerable though those two things are very different. So the core fear triggers reactivity when eights feel like or made to feel like they are powerless.
0: For type one, uh, also ones are, uh, their lead center of intelligence is also body, so concerned with fairness. The motivation of the one uh, uh, is to reform and improve, to make things always better. Uh, The focus of attention where ones tend to notice and where their attention goes is to error. Um, Sometimes it can be to what's right, but often the attention goes straight to error. And the core fear is uh, being imperfect or being bad or wrong or inappropriate. And that can lead to the trigger um, for them to trigger reactivity for the one. Some of the strengths for the one in terms of relationships are incredibly conscientious. Um, They have high ethical standards. They're always, as I said, striving for improvement to make things better. They have a practicality about them, a sense of hardworking industry, and they're really fair, and they're attuned to details.
1: The strengths of type eight would include a generous heart. Eights have this armored appearance, but a tender heart that's quite generous. There is a loyalty to eight. They're there for you if you are their people. And like ones are are uh, fair-minded. They have a lot of energy and easy access to life force. And eights tend to communicate directly. There's rarely a hidden agenda. But there's a directness that you can trust um, to be as honest as they are in the moment. What's interesting about a couple that's a 1-8 is that they are both body types and both fairness-oriented. So it's good good news when both of you see what's fair in a similar vein. (laughs) But, you know, when you see what's fair one way and the other sees fairness in another way, um, that can create some tension. You're both body types, uh, you both are anger types, that's a primary emotional issue, and body types are self-forgetting. So when two body types are partnered or married, the work for each is to self-remember because body types more than others want the other to remember them. And that will get us, as I'm a body type as well, that gets us in trouble. So part of the core issue for body types is to self-remember.
0: Given that you're a one eight couple, what, what do you find has worked, what works well in terms of your type and in your relationship?
2: I think we have very similar values. Um, we both value, as you said, fairness, hard work, integrity, honesty, and loyalty. And you said loyalty, Sandra, it kind of brought tears to my eyes because I've, I feel that very strongly from Jeff. And I think that bonds us and our marriage together in a very strong way um, and holds us together when we have the tough times.
3: To identify with what Sandra was saying earlier when she was going into the profiles of uh, the different types. I think that most times that's a strength for us because we, we do have that loyalty to return to mm-hmm. and we can trust one another. And we display that in most of the time. So I would say for me that those same attributes are as important, which is probably not a surprise since we have those within our types in common. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to ask what may be an odd question, and I've never asked it before. Since you both have anger as a primary emotional issue, how has that been a gift for this relationship?
2: For me, it's a gift um, because I can be super angry with Jeff. I can lose my temper in my mind, losing my temper, and um, it is it is a gift because I don't feel afraid that Jeff's going to walk away and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he can he can manage mm-hmm. that easily. He won't judge it as wrong, right, as an eight. That's beautiful,
1: it Tamara. It is,
0: it is. And that you have a space that you can express that anger. Right. So powerful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We
3: grew up very differently, but similar in some ways as far as our faith and background, similarities there. But coming from a large family, a large ethnic family, uh, I saw anger in a lot of ways, and some were not so suitable. But we, there was always forgiveness there because I think that several people within my family displayed anger in the same way that i did so when i recognized how tamra does it so much uh, more differently than what i've seen it it was intriguing to me just to try to understand when she was angry and how she was oh. maybe how she handled it and a lot of times i try to uh, Mirror that because I think it's more valuable and more productive sometimes in the way that I <laughs> show my anger.
1: You know, Jeff, as as an aide, I know uh, when I get angry and it comes out when I actually express it, I'm usually scared, and that's been important for me to remember that when I'm scaring another, I myself am scared. Does that resonate with it, you? It does very okay. much so.
3: I th- I think that. I think that's very true. And I see that if I'm disciplining my daughter, who's eight years old, if I see, of course, she doesn't display a lot of fear. <laughs> I mean, she's fearless in a lot of ways. But if I see that, that she's become frightened because of the way uh, I'm behaving, then that really that really hits me deep. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah.
2: One of the kind of valuable things that happened when we had a fight once, I said to Jeff, oh, my gosh, I just hate it when we fight. It's, it's just so exhausting. And he said, what do you mean fighting? We were just talking. <laughs> and I felt like we'd been through World War III. You <laughs> know, so it was instructive to me because I was like, oh, he thinks we're just talking. To me, I'm, I'm at this intensity that I don't usually get to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have, now that you've been married 10 years, Jeff, do you, do you know where those moments are when, when Tamara believes that you're in an argument rather than a conversation?
3: not always but more times now than before Good. Uh, over the years if i have the presence of mind to recognize what you what you just brought uh, in the conversation earlier about you know seeing other people's reactions and if i if i'm in a state of fear and then uh, if my actions are causing that person to be fearful I sort of gauge that with her. If if I see that she's becoming uncomfortable by her body language or her eye contact or or just by her words, if I have the presence of mind within myself, then I sort of gear down and say, "Okay, this wasn't my intent. My my intention mm-hmm. was not to fight, but my mm-hmm. intention was to be heard. And now I need to hear her because if we're sorting through this as a problem-solving mission, then." It's just being having that presence of mind to understand what the what I would like to see as a result, rather than just to display anger and and, yeah. a, and have an argument.
1: That assumption for aid is I've got to put my truth out there, and of course, the age old wisdom, is an adage that says it's better to understand than to be understood. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I try
1: to remember that.
3: <laughs> try to remember that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do too. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm.
2: One of the gifts Jeff brings to, you know, when we get in those situations where we're fighting is I sometimes shut down because I, it, I guess I'm repressing my anger. So I have to sometimes process that and take time to do that. But he always comes back with, are we going to talk about this or do we need to talk some more? He always does that. And that's a real door opener for me. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time coming back to someone when I'm dealing with anger. So that's been a real gift.
0: What about uh, aspects of your types that um, that trip you up in your relationship? So for yourself, something about your type. We've maybe hinted at this already a little bit, but um, an aspect of your type that you sort of... Um, challenges you in this relationship?
2: My sensitivity to criticism is very challenging with with Jeff. Eights can have a real tone of voice when they talk without even being really aware of it, or they can blast you. Um, and because I'm so sensitive to criticism, it doesn't take much to just send me right over the edge. And so I find that I really have to work on how I'm receiving his energy. It's really important for me to process. Like I have to take time away to process. I can't always, I cannot do it in the moment. Um, I have to have time alone. I have to think about it. I have to write about it. You know, I have a, every morning I get up at five just to write, pray, meditate, do yoga. And that really helps keep me, grounded and less reactive. When,
0: when Jeff says something that feels like a criticism or harsh, then it kind of reinforces that inner critic in you. Is that part of what happens?
2: Oh, I feel like I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm a bad person. Um, and that can happen with anyone, but, but eights have a very strong sense of, tone (laughs) i don't know how else to say it but um i he could not even mean to be critical Mm -hmm. and it'll i can hear things in his tone of voice that send me um get me really
0: reactive is there a way in which you can check that out Mm -hmm. in other words you hear the tone but you're not do you know if in fact if he's being critical or you know what I'm saying? Can you check that out with him?
2: The best way is to get curious. Mm-hmm. Very hard to remember in the moment, however. Mm-hmm. I, I Usually, again, I have to process it and then I have to come back and get curious. I'm very rarely good at being curious right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a difficult
1: part of the moment for body types to get curious in the moment. Because that gut instinct, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze in the moment, or befriend... It's there, and curiosity is nowhere to be found.
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Jeff? Things that trip you up from your type in this relationship?
3: Pretty much the reverse of what she's... <laughs> at the <laughs> time that I see how she's being affected, what I would perceive to be negatively, and that she's going through some pain, to be able to stop and and be present in the moment and understand that she may be going through something. We work on a lot of projects together, and through her strengths and my strengths, we're able to work as good, and with a good partnership, you know, to play on each other's strengths. But within that, sometimes I want to move much more quickly than she does. So she has to stop mm-hmm. and process. <laughs> I have an affectionate. I call that. She's being a meanderthal because
0: it's kind Ooh, of I like that. It's kind
3: of a family trait. Her dad is a meanderthal. She's a meanderthal, which it's just it's an affectionate term. So and she I hear that. she accepts it. She's she actually kind of likes it. thing. I think
2: it's funny. That's
3: great. But when I see her going to that meanderthal phase where it's okay, she's trying to process this, and I want to move forward, and I want to move forward quickly. But what I have learned in most cases, that if I stop and rest while she's doing that, then mm-hmm. she discovers something I would have never discovered. So I've learned from that. So I see value in that. So oftentimes, if, if, if it's in a situation where we're working on something together, I have learned to wait for that process to complete because there's value at the end of it.
0: That's that's wonderful. I'm wondering, you said that when, when she stops, you stop, and then something comes that would have not come for you. What about for you? Does something come when you stop along with her? Does something come up for you that might not have come up had you pushed ahead?
3: Yes, that definitely. And I think that that's something that would have been much more valuable to me early on in my life. Mm-hmm. At times, if I would have had a partner that displayed that, that you know, modeled that in a way that I could have seen it and seen the value through it. I mean, it's it's something to read something in a book but to actually see it model that you know you're going to have much more of an impact and you'll own it so uh,
1: this this quick to start quick to act quick to decide that eights and and also threes have but eights being body types that's actually reptilian brain is this like just tossing us around. And, and, of course, if we just go with reptilian brain, that's kind of Neanderthal. Yep. <laughs> so if we're not it's careful... A, it's a Neanderthal <laughs> and a Neanderthal. Oh, I've been the
0: curious, getting curious is the most evolved brain, and that's the hardest to get to mm-hmm. when you're talking mm, about For sure. Yeah.
1: Well, we talked about the three centers of intelligence in the first podcast series. you know, I think we named Curiosity. As really the gateway to deepening love and compassion for body types mm-hmm. so thanks for naming that Tamara.
0: what are some strategies that you all have engaged in um things that you practice that sort of that help you uh in your relationship as these things trip you up and other things that you notice in your type
3: well weekly we actually meet and go over our calendars mm-hmm. because we're both very busy and, and move around a lot. We, the type of work that I'm in, I could be traveling, or you know, days can, can become long. so on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, just going over each other, you know making each other aware of what we're doing. And it also helps us to plan uh, and keep a lot of the stress down because it's very frustrating when it's, oh yeah, I got this on Thursday night and it's four o'clock on Thursday afternoon and you're <laughs> trying to figure out how to do it. And, mm. and just, so that's something we've learned and that's a practice that we've, we've kept up.
2: We started a gratitude journal that we pass back and forth each day. And each of us puts two things in it that we're grateful for about the other person. Mm. <clears throat> it's really helpful to me because I have a tendency, obviously, to look for what impro- needs to be improved in our relationship, and that is an exhausting um, way of looking at the world. And to focus, I mean, I literally have to sit down and think, okay, what am I grateful for about Jeff today? And it, <laughs> it gets easier, but it's, it's a challenge. But it helps me to focus on what's working, what's right, what's good about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And you said today. Right.
1: That's the key. So you're not being general in your gratitude terms. It's what's happened today that I'm grateful for. Wow.
2: It's very specific. Mm -hmm. And it can be the littlest things. And the thing that's helpful when Jeff says something he's grateful for about me, it helps me understand what he is grateful for. Mm. Because a lot of times the gifts I'm giving Jeff may not really be the gifts he's looking for. Mm -hmm. And so when I see what he's grateful for, I'm like, oh, that's what he liked about, what I did you know it's kind of surprising at times you know
0: that's great it reminds me of um you said this earlier Jeff about the the golden rule you know do unto others as you would have them do and that some people call it the platinum rule which is and I think what the Enneagram points to which is do unto others as they would have you do unto them right so part of what you're naming there Tamara, is like oh this is what he appreciates Mm. oh that helps me be aware and then i can offer more of that
2: exactly
1: yeah Yeah, that's a real stretch for couples because we tend to want to receive love the way we offer it and that really rarely happens we offer love in ways that are particular to us and maybe how we want to be loved but that's not the pattern of the other so that's beautiful Mm.
0: I love the the gratitude journal too, because it, it, um, it sort of interrupts the pattern that you name about always looking to, well, how do I improve this relationship? And it just sort of says, okay, in this moment, what am I grateful for, for Jeff and for this relationship? And it totally, it just shifts the energy.
2: It really does. Yeah.
0: Jeff, what's the, how's the gratitude journal? What's that like for you? Well, I have to admit that I
3: I don't do it every day. And that's something that that I need to improve on. For a while I had been doing that, so that's why I laughed when she was saying that. <laughs> I don't like giving her too much information. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just hard work.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think, I'm thinking about writing it. I'm grateful that I didn't have to write down anything <laughs> today. <laughs> I
2: wasn't going to call him out on that.
3: <laughs> oh, you didn't have to. <laughs> Uh, but it is valuable and for the same reasons that she says I mean uh, as simple as making a sandwich for me every once in a while if i 'm going to be traveling i mean that that's simple, but it's important and it 's valuable to me mm. more so than you know a lot of things if if someone were to say, Well gosh, if she bought you a new shirt, well, that may be nice, depending on the shirt, but you know the sandwich is always good because it's it's recognizing a need that I have that day mm-hmm. and it's, it's practical and it's loving and it's thinking of me and, and there's a lot of value there so it's,
0: that's wonderful hmm.
1: she sees me and right there you have a sense of Tamra remembering you yes yeah and that's a big deal because the sensitivity for body types is I'm unimportant I'm not seen I'm dismissed and so wow to have another your beloved remember you really creates an ease and do you
2: experience that with jeff when he
1: remembers you
2: i do there was an example a couple weeks ago we were having friends over for dinner and i was scrambling as i always am to get the house you know cleaned up and get ready for dinner and he went and took juliana out for an hour and um and then called me on the way back and said what do we need do we need me to pick up anything at the store and i mean i just felt such a rush of love for him in that moment Mm. that he knew i was struggling as i do um kind of a last minute person and he just that that remembering me was was such a moment for me
1: Two of you, um, how good are you at asking for what you want and need from one another? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you want or and y- need, but you don't ask for it. Is Correct.
2: That right? It's very difficult it's to ask. It's a tough one for,
1: for and, and why is that?
2: Um, I'm afraid I won't get it. I'm afraid I'll get a reaction that's judging about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's hard for me to, I am I have a sense of responsibility for everything else. So for me to ask for what I need is giving up that sense of responsibility mm. and saying, I'm vulnerable, I need something, and that is very hard to do.
1: Wow. Yeah, wow. Thank you. And that, that idealized self of I'm the responsible adult, that's going to step in there and block that.
2: Absolutely.
0: It absolutely mm. does. It strikes me as you say that too, Tamara, about being vulnerable and asking for, that's hard for you. And I know for eights, vulnerability is difficult, can be difficult. So I'm curious about how that plays out for the two of you being, how you're able to be vulnerable or how that, what that dynamic is like. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult most of the time because
3: uh, as you mentioned, it's just part of your being and it's difficult in any situation, whether it's professional or with your partner or even in, in maybe a budding relationship with someone. I mean, we've, uh, Tamara and I, socially, we have circles of friends, and it just seems like that sometimes, uh, depending on... It, it seems like the, the thread that runs through the vulnerability doesn't really matter what the setting is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, it's... It's a constant, you know, uh, even doing something like this, knowing it's going to be edited. That's a good thing, because if it were live, I'd be like, uh, you know, more so than anything else. Yeah. So I think it's just a thread that you deal with, and much like learning how to uh, pick up signals from Tamara when she's feeling something that's not comfortable, I think that that's, that's just a technique that needs to be worked on that I, that I do. Mm-hmm.
2: We can usually get to vulnerability, but it's after an extremely long conversation, which probably happened after a fight. Um, So it it can take us a while to get there. Once we get there, it's like a flower opening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's just such a relief and such a sense of love for the other person. But um, when we get to places where we are both being invulnerable or unable to be vulnerable with each other, we're we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And... um,
3: I think we try to avoid it as much as possible. That's why we do <laughs> the calendar every week and all these <laughs> other things. There's another little running joke that we have, I tell Tamar, because sometimes um, I like the little spontaneity, just say, okay, what are we gonna do today? We'll get up and we'll go uh, to a festival. We'll do this and that and the other. But, not so much with Tamara, but and I, I tell her I said, when we sit down, be sure and put spontaneity on your. That's calendar. right. <laughs> <laughs> because it's going to have to be on the calendar if we're going to do it. <laughs> but then you know, you can see how ironic that is. Yes. Uh, so we've tried to practice more spontaneity, and but we have to schedule it. Yeah,
2: that's true. So, mm-hmm.
3: it's true. Mm-hmm. It's interesting.
1: You know, for all body types, vulnerability is an issue. Uh, eights lead that, but nines and ones have it as well as as well as all humans. I wonder what you're working with or or what strategies might you be using that allow you to get to vulnerability sooner? Anything that allows you to get there sooner? And then I'm curious to know in a 1-8 relationship, who usually
2: leads? Who goes vulnerable first? Or is it mixed? The only strategy I've found so far is we have a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: Excellent. gets to it yeah. before we do. <laughs> <laughs> he models it, so you come along. That's great. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I mean that. I, it sounds funny, but that third party, mm. uh, non-biased, uh, what do you, counselor, is just so helpful for us because it is hard for us to get there. It mm-hmm. is a long trip to get there.
3: It's like jumping into a cold swimming pool, you know. Once you're there, it's not as bad as you thought, and you can deal with it. Sometimes it can be enjoyable, but it's taking that jump. Yeah.
0: That's a great metaphor. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) You want to go back to asking for what you want, Tamara. Do you have some strategies that are moving that along for you so that you're more quickly able to ask for what you want since you know what that is?
2: Well, I I would say that I have to get clear on what I want and it's not always obvious. Um, it's not always that easy to get there. I talk with my mom as a great, uh, sounding board for Mm me and my dad. Um, a, a lot of times I'll talk things over with either one of them or both of them before I jump forward into anything. Um, but it does take an act of courage. I mean, literal act of courage to sit down with Jeff or with anyone and say, "This is something I really want." Mm. Um, and it can still be a process, even after even after I've asked for it, um, to continue to ask for it. Mm. Because sometimes you have to ask more than once. That person may not be convinced. This is the thing they want to give. Mm. Um, And sometimes you have to keep going. And that, to me, is one of the hardest parts, is to continue to ask for what it is you want after you've asked for it. Mm. How
1: how can Jeff make that easier for you or support you in that?
2: I think just the gentleness um, and understanding, even if he may not agree with what the thing is I'm asking for. Um, I mean, I'm just going to give an example of something. I wanted to go part-time, this going forward, um, continue to work part-time instead of full-time. And we we really have talked about that a lot. We talked to the counselor about it. And he's been very, very supportive of that. Um, but I wasn't sure he would be. And so that was the hard part for me to ask was I, w- I didn't know how he was going to react And um, so it's sometimes you just have to, as a a one, I can get in that righteous mode where this is right, this is wrong, it's very black and white, but it can be useful when I need to move forward on something to feel I'm in the right, I need to ask for this, this is just how it needs to be. And that is where that tool comes in really handy.
3: Nice. That's excellent, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Hmm. How did that land in you hearing Tamara speak about that, Jeff? Well,
3: it's unfortunate that, this is uh, audio and not video, because you could see her body language and how and how expressive she was and what yeah. and when she was talking about that and and that's going back to what we talked about earlier when as we' learn to communicate better and learn to accept and just not fight but discuss through things and I, as we've grown together, she has become. Uh, more emphatic in what she needs and what she says and that helps me mm-hmm. because i don't have to read between i'm not very good at reading between the lines when i'm so laser focused on what i think because i'm and, and i'm not even really sure what i think is what i want mm-hmm. so then i have to if you put into the mix i'm trying to figure out really where she is and what she wants so it's a gift to me because if it's specific it, then i can work with it mm-hmm. you know it's not an abstract well did she really mean that or what is the agenda here Mm -hmm. and so as she becomes clearer it's a gift to me in that way so that um i have something concrete that i can work with and see a result from it and then it makes her happy and it's good for everybody Mm -hmm. so
1: you appreciate directness yes jeff how do you forget yourself I mean, This not asking for what I want or, or being difficult for me to ask for what I want can be a self-forgetting form. I'm wondering for you, Jeff, how do you self-forget?
3: I, I have a tendency to get wrapped up in my work, and I have always, and then have several hours invested in it through a week, and then what happens is then I become resentful sometimes, and, and then I haven't taken care of myself, mm-hmm. so what I've tried to do most recently what we tried to do this summer is uh, we have a son in college so he's not around as much but when he is around uh, we try to do Saturday events so to put it on the calendar talk about what we're going to do and it's a family day so we go do family things and once I've done that I feel like I've paid myself back because I see why I'm doing all this other computer work that I don't really enjoy doing or, or whatever it is that I feel like is stealing my time. Mm-hmm. And before, I would just start copping a bad attitude about it, and then Tamara would come miserable, and I would be miserable, and she wouldn't know what was wrong, or I would tell her, and there was, she would feel helpless and, and you know, helping me with a solution. So I've started trying to come up with my own solution, and it's helped us with the Saturday Family Day.
1: I am so struck Uh, by the word discipline just keeps popping up for me. Mm -hmm. And in Helen Palmer's book on Enneagram and Love and Work, she will say in the partnership on 1-8, you've got the lawful and the lawless in 1 and 8. But what she's meaning is there is a a discipline to 1 that creates an organized sense of order of the day. And 8s typically aren't that disciplined. I mean, we're focused, we make things happen, we get things done, but there's, a, there's an undisciplined nature. And it seems, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, that this more disciplined approach to life is bringing you joy.
3: Most times, yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, let's not go too far. <laughs> That's honest. honest. <laughs> you know.
0: you think about your relationship moving forward what are some ways that you can change or things that you can do to continue to help your relationship flourish or another way of asking that question is what's your invitation to grow now in this relationship given your type
2: i think i mentioned it before but curiosity is my real invitation Um, and also learning in myself how to receive jeff So when he gets uptight or he gets frustrated, it does not mean it's aimed at me. Maybe it is. But either way, I have a choice about how I take that in. Mm. And that is, I'm terrible at that. I'm not very good at it. But that's where I'm, my growing edge, to use your words. Yeah.
0: May I offer us an an idea? When you said how you take that in, it's also possible that you don't take it in at all. Right. Right that you hold it out here and look at it. Right. And that's where the curiosity comes. And I relate to this as a four. I will take stuff right in, right. and then I'll feel bad, and I'll go blah, blah, blah. But if I can just stop before it gets in and observe it, that helps me not go down that path. Does that make sense?
2: I love that. I That happened one time with Jeff and I um, a couple of years ago. He was really upset about something. And I remember just sitting there on the sofa like looking at him and just... Like you said, observing it, and it was one of the most freeing moments. It was like, I don't have, to, I don't have to, t- to take this personally. And it was lovely. And I remember that moment, and I think you're right exactly. That is where I would love to be more often. And, and in that
1: moment, you were neither merging or counter-merging. Correct. And body types will merge and match energy and take in. Mm-hmm. And you kept a separate self.
2: Right.
0: Wow. And it only
2: happened once.
0: Well, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, well and, but it becomes a touch tone. That's it right. It becomes a marker. And so when you find yourself taking something in, you go, oh, wait, I, I've had this other experience. Let me return back to that. And it's, it's just practice, right? right. You, but you've already touched it, so you mm-hmm. know what that's like, right. and that's the beauty. Yeah,
1: your body has a memory mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Thank wonderful. you. That's lovely. Yeah. A friend of mine who's married to an eight says, what she has learned to do, this is fascinating to me, is turned sideways. Huh. So that she's not taking the energy full oh, on. Wow. She turns sideways and in the physical movement of turning sideways, it shifts her attention.
2: Hmm. That's wonderful. I find that the 8 has a very intense energy that is actually an energy mm-hmm. that yeah. I could see why turning yes. sideways shifts physically shifts yes, that's the right. energy. Hmm. That's right.
3: Someone used the word "touch," and we we have a, a puppy it's a, a year old, and we've been training her. Her name is Imogene, mm-hmm. and one of her commands is touch and the 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 time you use that command is when she's the most unruly and running around the yard and you can't get her to do anything, but when you say "touch now the, the she will come to you if you have a treat in your hand, <laughs> so if you say "imogene touch," she runs full bore right at you from the backyard but she's going to your hand that you have a treat held out in so it struck me wow that that analogy came to me when when you were speaking i'm so
0: moved by that <sighs> well i think about too the metaphor of the eight like they're running around the yard and the you know all that intense energy and just that that invitation to touch then brings that in. I mean, it's it's an intimacy and a vulnerability. That's so beautiful to me.
1: Do you, do you, have you tried touching him when he's in that state? Just a soft, gentle touch? Yes, and
2: I do find that is helpful. It
1: is helpful because that with me or against me is a mental attitude of eight in stress, and all it takes is a gentle touch, and he knows, oh, she's with me, not against me.
0: Wow, does that resonate with you, when Sandra? Says Completely,
3: Sandra? and knowing Sandra, that's she feels that she knows that as well as I do. Uh, but back to asking about what you want, I would not ask for that. But if she were to do it, it would be so valuable that I couldn't put it to words. Mm-hmm. So it's that's part of knowing, and and the exercise and the challenge of understanding how to ask for what I want, but. That's, another, that's, that's making another sandwich and sending it with me. You know, I wouldn't have asked for that sandwich, but you did, and it shows me you love me. But in an instance, when you do some sort of touch like that, it shows that value, and that's, that's all I need. I mean, that'll, that'll charge me for
0: a long time. I understand this idea that you you are remembered and seen, right, when, when uh, Tamara makes his sandwich for you or touches you, I'm wondering about is there a way for you what helps you ask for that? Cause sometimes it's wonderful just to be remembered. And sometimes it's good for us to also say, you know, what I need right now is this. Can you give that to me? What helps you do that?
3: I think that if I, I really am honest with myself and, and I can ask myself what it is that I need, if I'm able to do that and then come to her with that, then that puts me into the right frame of mind and into the right course to get what I want. But I think when I become bogged down within myself and I'm not able to ask that, then I've created my own problem. Mm.
1: So am I remembering that your eight-year-old daughter is with a grandmother this week?
2: She is. Mm -hmm. It's a a whole week without our child. It's just been just a a whole different world. Mm. I wonder
1: if in this time together without the distraction and also the pleasure and delight of your daughter if there are moments that you could practice asking for what you want or need it's a good week to do that mm-hmm. it's on your mind, you have the courage and you trust each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you trust each other I think the the deal is to trust ourselves mm-hmm. right. yes yeah
0: is there anything else that you guys have um, talked about or thought about in terms of your relationship that would be that you want to name or talk about or, or put out there?
2: I've I've very, been very touched by this conversation. Um, it has helped me understand Jeff better, even in this in this hour. And um, every time we get to places like this, I really realize how much I love him and what a what a great partner and husband that he is for me.
3: Well, you are the, you're my blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's. once again, thank you both. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pleasure to meet you as we've just <laughs> met, but yeah, you know I love you. Jeff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So I will end um, with this word from uh, Thomas Merton, who speaks about, Love. The beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves and not to twist them to fit our own image. Otherwise, we love only the reflection of ourselves we find in them.
1: So with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra.
0: And I'm Chris.
1: And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is.
0: We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris who composed our theme music and for Toby Becker who provided graphic design.
1: Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner who provided recording space and to the Narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests.
0: We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheeenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book.
1: In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.